Welcome to the Center Ranch Church Weekly Podcast. We believe that faith comes by hearing the Word of God. Thanks so much for checking out the podcast. Here's this week's message. I'm going to have a couple of people share testimonies. I want to read one. Something text. Someone text me. Last service, I went to read this text, and the one I pulled up, the first words were, this is private, and I almost started reading something someone sent to me that I shouldn't be reading out loud, so make sure I've got the right one first. All right, this, this person texted me this, talking about the revival services. Every night, building on the one before, Preacher Jay's message on being full of faith ignited fresh faith in me to believe for more. There's a shift in my, my attitude. There's a shift in my marriage. Last night was a release from religion, fresh perspective and fresh faith. I feel like when I got saved for the first time, like I could just give my life away. I was a skeptic in some senses, looking at my circumstances rather than his goodness. It's amazing what God can do when you just let your walls down and dare to believe something beyond what, what you think. That, that, that's, a, that, that's a powerful testimony. Spending time in the presence of God, just the things listed there, getting set free from religion, feeling a a fresh fire and fresh passion for the things of God, a shift in attitude and mindset, a shift in their marriage. Those are things that people can spend a lot of time and a lot of money pursuing in the natural, meeting with psychologists and counselors and all those kinds of things to get their mindset right and their attitude fixed, jumping through all kinds of hoops to try to get things lined up right in their marriage. But in God's presence. God can just begin to change things. Powerful, powerful testimonies. I had two or three people this morning right before service come up and say they were filled with the Holy Spirit or had different different testimonies to share of things God did over these, these last seven days. When we have time like that, it's important to engage and make sure you get out. There's other people that have testimonies, but they missed out because they, 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 weren't, they weren't with us. No time spent seeking God is time wasted. There's, God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Naomi, you want, you want to come and share? Uh, yeah, so this week was incredible for our family. Um, coming in every day and literally being challenged, I literally just felt the Holy Spirit just rekindle that fire that I once had at salvation as a teenager. Um, but Preacher Jay and Evangelist Kofi, they just kept talking about um, in Mark where it talks about that all believers, that they will act as Jesus did. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover, that they will cast out demons because our world has demons in it. But the thing is that we as Christians, we have that fire in us whenever Christ left, that we can do those same things, greater things. So just leaving this week, I was just like, Lord, my hands, my feet, my mouth, it's yours. Whenever I see somebody that's hurting, Lord God, just give me that boldness just to be able to just use what you have given me, which he has given all of us. So... That's what I mean. Praise God. Praise the Lord. That, that's a great testimony. You know, that, that's something Paul told Timothy to do, to stir up the gift, to, to stir up, keep things ignited. So we've got a responsibility, and, and special services like that are one of the ways that we keep ourselves stirred up. We're instructed to, to do that. Miss Kim, are you here? There she comes. I've, I've prearranged this. I don't want people getting nervous. I'm just like randomly calling people up. <laughs> God is so good. God is so good. Wednesday, I, I have a cheat sheet because I have a very long word that I have to tell you in a minute. Wednesday night during services with uh, Preacher Jay, I received a healing in my back. That was just wonderful. Through my years of pregnancy, especially when I carried my twins all the way to term, 
Unbeknownst to me, the whole sheath of muscle that surrounds your abdomen and goes around your back was tearing. I didn't know that. With subsequent pregnancies, it tore more. And again, I didn't realize that was happening. But about 10 years ago, I had to go to a specialist who told me that I, it was torn on both sides and it was irreparable, that I had a very large abdominal hernia because of that and that my spine was moving and it was unstable and there's nothing that they could do about it. So I could literally feel my spine moving when I walked and I didn't realize that my gait was changing because my spine was moving so much it was, uh, I was unsteady on my feet and I didn't realize that I swayed as I walked until I would see myself on videos. But Wednesday night, Preacher Jay just asked us to stand at our seats, which is proof positive. You, you don't need to be called out. Uh, he just said, place your hands where it needed healing. He began to pray, so did I. I felt the muscles around my back begin to tighten. I began to walk back and forth. I could physically feel my healing. I mean, when Pastor Luke says that Wednesday was a powerful, powerful service, it, it most definitely was. You could feel the Holy Spirit in this place. And I know the key to my healing was a fresh indwelling of the Holy Spirit. It had been moving in me all week. And it's just totally amazing the power that is available to God's people when you pray in the Spirit, not asking in your own power. So I want to tell you today that I am a living, breathing yes. testimony that my God is yes. a God of more. Because he didn't simply reach down and heal my back. No, he, he didn't leave the rest of me broken. And I didn't even realize that night the things that he was doing. My hair has shed for years because of heredity. But in the last few years, it has fallen out in clumps so badly that I have to wash my hair in a sink just to catch the globs of hair. Well, not one hair has fell out since Wednesday. And that's more than I asked for. Also, my big word, I have had several skin cancers removed in the last year and a half. One was a sore spot on my ear that they did a biopsy. It was the one thing that was not skin cancer, but it was called chondrodermatitis nodularis helicus, which is just a very long word for a wound that is never going to heal. It's chronic, and because I sleep on that side, it was going to be sore and awful the rest of my life. So sore that my daughter this past Mother's Day bought me a pillow with a hole in it because I could not sleep. And it was a long week for those of you who was here all the time. And I have to admit, I didn't even realize that I just was going to bed at night, getting up at 6 a.m. Didn't realize till I went to bed last night and I really was not sleepy. And I was laying there and I thought, my ear does not hurt. And I got up this morning and I looked, there's not a scab. Nothing. It's gone. And that's more than I asked for. So I just can't wait to see. I have another appointment November 10th with my skin cancer doctor who is just going to be amazed because I don't know what else God has healed, but I just look forward every day to, to finding out how he has touched me. He is a good, good God. And what he has done for me, I just need you to know, he will do for you too.
So I, I was told that when you went to work the next day, people were asking why you were walking weird. This is true. I, I zoom around my office and they were uh, a little bit amazed that I didn't realize how badly that I walked, but they certainly noticed and I gave, I gave praise to Jesus. Tell, tell, them, tell them what you call that necklace. <laughs> this is my victory necklace. I have a lot of necklaces that hang and for years I walked with such a swaying motion that they would swing back and forth and it was embarrassing and they no longer swing, praise God. That's awesome. Praise God. Thank you very much. That's awesome. Praise God. Praise the Lord. She's agreed to lay hands on any men that want that hair restoration impartation. I might ever pray for my facial hair. <laughs> Praise the Lord. It's a powerful, powerful week. Thank you for everyone that was a part. I just want to encourage you, next time we have services like that, just to, to lean in. And that, that's nothing God can't do in any time that we're together. Amen? He's a rewarder of those, those who seek him. So, so we get to celebrate what he's doing in our church and those services, what he's doing in people's lives. Also celebrate new life and families. We're going to dedicate some children to the Lord here in just a moment. Child dedication is something you see in the Bible, Old Testament and New Testament. There's examples of people bringing their children to the Lord to dedicate them. In the, the book of 1 Samuel, Hannah brought, brought Samuel and dedicated him to the Lord. Mary and Joseph brought Jesus to the temple and dedicated him to the Lord. And so when we dedicate children to the Lord, there, there's really a couple of things going on. One, it's an acknowledgement that that child is a gift from God. That, that's what we're acknowledging. But it's also an acknowledgement of the responsibility of the parents to raise that child to know and to love the Lord. So it's really not just the child that's being dedicated. The child's just kind of a, almost an innocent bystander. You know, they're, they're, they're being dedicated by their parents. But it's a, an acknowledgement of the assignment. That we can't just take the child and give him to the Lord in the sense of, Lord, please make sure this child loves you and serves you. Because that's the assignment he gives to moms and dads. And, and it's a mistake, and this happens in other areas in Christianity as well. Assignments that God gives us, we can't just turn around and ask God to do the very thing that he's instructed us to do. So it's an acknowledgement of that assignment. God, I know, I know I'm the one that's assigned to raise, raise this child to know you and love you. And I'm, I'm owning that assignment. I'm going to give it my best with your help. Amen? And so if you're, you're one of those families that's dedicating a child to the Lord, I'm going to ask you to go ahead and slide up here with me. Beth, you join me up here. I don't know if this confetti's slippery or not. Be careful when you come up here. Pastor Christina in here? She's fresh back from her honeymoon, so I just had a joke I was going to make, but I'll keep it to myself. Let, let, let's scoot you guys up a little closer to the front here. People can see you. Go ahead and slide up. Let's pass this microphone down. You want to give us a, 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 just a quick introduction just to tell us who you are? Ryan Clevenger. Tabitha Clevenger and Braxton Clevenger. Awesome. David Clevenger. <laughs> David Clevenger and April Clevenger. He's ready for the mic. <laughs> Brian and Penny Ash and our five Ash kids. Oh, awesome, awesome. Kate Kelly. Zach Kelly and this is Judah. <laughs> Austin Weaver. Heather Weaver and this is Daphne. Awesome. Praise the Lord. So listen, this moment, you know, we can either just do this because this is what churches do. People have babies. It's fun to see them on stage and just kind of uh, going through the motions. Or we can really engage our heart and engage our faith. And this can be a serious moment where we, we make a commitment dedicating our children to the Lord 
acknowledging I'm, I'm to be a steward of this gift from, from God. And so this, this is a moment where you're acknowledging, one, these children are a precious gift from God. Amen? And you're, you're accepting and acknowledging your responsibility to raise your children to know Jesus and to love Jesus. You're, you're to be good stewards of these children, to live a Christ-like life as examples in front of them, to, to train them up in the Word of God, to teach them the will of God. The, the Bible says when you train a child up in the way that they shall go, when they're old, they won't depart from it. So do you accept that responsibility to teach your children, to train them up to know and to love Jesus? If so, say we do. We're going to take a moment to pray over these families, and I'm going to ask you not to be spectators. Let's just take a moment as a church family and pray for these families, because this is powerful. If you've got people in a community, moms and dads and kids, that I want to honor Jesus as I raise my kids. I want my household to honor him. That's how you change a community, is by having people like this that are serious about raising their children to know the Lord. So let's engage our faith and and really pray for these families. Let me ask my wife to lay hands on them with me as we pray. Father, we love you. God, I give you thanks. Thank you for every one of these moms and dads. Father, thank you for their heart to know you, their heart to honor you, their heart to raise their children. Father, to be the young men, the young women that you've called them to be. And Father, I pray for each of these fathers, Lord, each of these dads, God, that you'd give them the mind of Christ to be able to lead their family, to be the husbands you want them to be in Jesus' name. Father, to know how to lead, Father, to have a hunger for righteousness, a a hunger for your word, to know how to apply it and to to lead their families well. Lord, I pray for each of these moms, each of these wives. God, their hearts would be tender towards you. You'd give them understanding by your Holy Spirit, Lord, as they discipline, as they train, as they help to raise their family. Lord, strength that comes from you. Father, they wouldn't grow weary in doing good. Father, they'd be led by your spirit in Jesus' name. And Lord, we pray for each of these children as well. In Jesus' name, a mighty woman of God from an early age. I rebuke every attack of the enemy that would come against her. Lord, we commit her into your hands. She is a gift from you, and we bless her in Jesus' name. Father, all of her days, she would love you and honor you. Lord, your word would take root in her heart and bring forth a harvest in Jesus' name. A mighty young man of God in Jesus' name. Father, he would live consistent with the name that he carries. Father, a mighty man of God with a heart that praises you and honors you with a fierceness like, like a lion to serve you. Lord, boldness like a lion in Jesus' mighty name. Strength, God. Strength in Jesus' name. Father, things that pull people off track early in life, things that weigh people down with baggage by the time they're 18, 19, 20, they've already got a list of huge regrets. Father, let that never be his story in Jesus' name. Father, a strength to follow after you with all of his heart in Jesus' mighty name. Father, I pray for each of these children, Lord, that they would, they would themselves dedicate themselves to you, Lord, a hunger and a desire to honor you, to serve you in Jesus' name. Father, a purity, a purity in their desires, everything that the enemy would try to use to pull them off course, to ruin their life, to keep them from achieving their destiny. Let every attempt of the enemy be a failure in Jesus' name. I plead the blood of Jesus over every one of them. Lord, we call them set apart for you, holy and set apart for you in Jesus' name. Father, let your blessing rest on him. He'd be a strong leader for you. Not only would he serve you with all of his heart, but he would cause others to know you in Jesus' name. Father, his path would be directed by you. You would lead him and guide him in Jesus' name. Blessed in Jesus' name, dedicated into your hand. Father, belonging to you for your kingdom in Jesus' name. Strength, filled with the Holy Spirit in an early age. Lord, wisdom that comes from you. We just plead the blood of Jesus over each of these children, over each of these families. Lord, I pray a hedge of protection around them in Jesus' name. Father, bless us as a church that this would be an environment where they could learn and grow and thrive and flourish, Father. That passage we quote every week, as they plant themselves in your house, Lord, as they ensure their children are in the house of God, that these families would flourish in Jesus' name. We call them blessed, and we give you thanks for them in Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise God. You guys can kind of file off this way. Pastor Dave is going to give you a a Bible for your children that I would encourage you to absolutely wear out with them.
Praise the Lord. Praise God. Amen. We're, we're blessed as a church. If you actively serve on our dream team, our dream team is all, all of our teams that serve, all of our volunteers. If you are an active participant, and by that I mean in the last three or four weeks you, you've, you've been serving. It's not like it's been six months, eight months, 10 months since you, you were serving. If you are an active member of our dream team, would you stand to your feet? I wanna acknowledge you and celebrate, celebrate you. Praise the Lord, you can stay standing for just a moment. So, so we're celebrating newness, newness of life. These are people that serve to help other people come into newness of life and grow in newness of life. These, these are people that are actively following Jesus' example to serve, to serve others. Jesus said, if you want to be great in the kingdom, what, what do you need to do? To serve. So these are the greatest people in our, in our church. The people that are standing, they get it. This is, this is who we are. This is what we do. This is what Jesus did. This is what Christians do. This is one of our values as a church family. We serve. Jesus washed feet. What does that mean for us? It means that we're to wash feet. We are to serve one another. Amen? So th these people represent the heart of our church and what, what we are looking for and more importantly, what Jesus is looking for. People that will actively use their gifts, figure out where they can get involved and be an active member in the body of Christ, finding a place to serve. And so I, I wanna acknowledge you and celebrate you and thank you for, for being an active member of our dream team and helping us do what God has called us to do to connect people with the newness of life found, found only in Jesus Christ. That these, these people are pursuing greatness by following the example uh, of Jesus. Now, as you're standing, if you have started serving, you're a relatively new member of the dream team over the last year or so. Would you just raise your hand? In the last 12 months, you actually joined the dream team? Praise the Lord. A bunch of you. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Those of you that are new to the dream team, just lift your hands right where you are. I just want to ask God's blessing on you. Father, I thank you for new people deciding to serve. God, I thank you for people that partner with us to connect people with the newness of life found only in Jesus. God, I pray you would strengthen them. Father, that they would never grow weary in doing good. From today, let them lose the ability to grow weary in Jesus' name. God, they would know your strength. They would know your power operating on the inside of them. Father, there would never be a moment in their service where they do it in their own flesh, in their own understanding, but it would be your spirit operating in them and through them. Father, they'd continue to find where they belong and how they can thrive, what giftings you've put on the inside of them in Jesus' name. I ask for fresh anointing on each one of them on each one of them. Father, let their, their gifts come to full development, that there wouldn't be anything that you've put on the inside of them that lies dormant in Jesus' mighty name. Lord, I thank you for them. I speak blessing. God, as they look to refresh others, that they would find themselves increasingly refreshed. God, they would be a, a walking example in reality that those who decide, I'm gonna pursue the kingdom of God, Lord, they would see everything else fall into place in their lives. Be blessed in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Praise the Lord. You guys can be seated. Thank you so much. You know, if you're, if you're not serving any place, we'd love to have you serving. You, you're gifted. You've got something you could contribute. We, we would be much better with you than without you. I would love it if I said, hey, everyone on the dream team that's helping us accomplish the mission, if everyone would stand to their, their feet. We need you. The body of Christ needs you. There, there's, no, there's no parts of the body of Christ that don't have a function. We're all to function together in the body of, of Christ. You know, there's greatness on the inside of you. God has put greatness on the inside of each person. You are, you are chocked full of potential. The unfortunate thing is that some people will live their life and then their life will be over and they'll just be, man, he had so much potential. She had so much potential. Potential's wonderful, but you know, there's actually a, a, a process of having, going from just potential and having greatness inside of you to being, becoming great. Yeah, yeah. And people avoid the process. Here's what the process looks like. Step one, serve. Yeah. 
You've got greatness on the inside. It will lie dormant and undiscovered until you decide I'm going to serve. Step one, serve. Step two, be faithful. Be faithful. There is a process to discovering greatness, to being crowned with greatness. Serve. Be faithful. And only by that process will you ever be crowned with greatness. So if you're not actively serving, you can talk to me, talk to anyone on, on staff, go, go to our growth track. We would love to come alongside you and help you get plugged in. There's some place where we need you. You are an absolute 10 in some area. There's some void, somewhere where we could be better. Probably some place where you see, man, they, they are really dropping the ball here and here. You know why? We need you. We need you. Help us. Help us. Amen. And thank God for the people we do have in serving. Man, we've got the best people in the world. Yeah. You know, we, we had service every night this week. People working in kids, people serving an audiovisual worship team. Every, every night. We've got some amazing people. And I'm thankful for them. And we would love to have you be part, part of our dream team. Amen. So we get to celebrate new life in our church, new life in families, people coming to new life in their relationship with Jesus, coming to new life in, in baptism. And new life is really what the gospel is all about. Yeah. That's, right. yeah. it, that's, what, that's what the gospel, that's what the good news is all about. Jesus said, I have come that you may have life, that you may have life. That, that's like a mission statement, John 10, 10. I have, I have come, the reason I'm here, Jesus said, he's telling people, I have come, the reason I left heaven, took on flesh, the whole process, the virgin birth, all of that, I have come. Why did you even come, Jesus? I have come that you may have life and you can have it to the full. New life is, is why Jesus came. Have, have you ever gone to a birthday party or maybe uh, Christmas or some other situation where you're, you're bringing people gifts and the gift that you're excited to give them, I can't wait for them to open it. You know, when you've got that gift, you're like, man, they are, I can't wait to see their face when they open this. When you go to their house, or you go to the party, you realize they already have the very thing that you, you bought them. The sweater that you were excited to see them in, you come to the house and they're like, they're wearing the sweater that you've got. Or the shoes that you bought them, like, oh, that's, that's actually the shoes. You tell your kids, go put this in the car. You try, you're embarrassed of your present. Or, or if you've got it in someone else, they open a present like right before your present. And it's like the same thing that you, you have. When that happens, when you realize they already have what, what I got them, it's like, ah, oh, what, what's the point now, right? You lose the excitement. You become almost embarrassed because there, there's, there's no point now. Well, when Jesus came and in John 10, 10 said, I have come that you may have life. You know, the people he was talking to were alive, <laughs> right? He, he's saying this to a group of people that are living. When we read it or when I quote it just now, I'm, I'm talking to, you know, 90% alive people, right? <laughs> people that are alive. Jesus didn't, Jesus didn't say this in a cemetery. So Jesus, when he says that uh, the reason I have come He's about to announce his mission statement. I have come that you may have life. Like, someone should probably tell Jesus we're already alive, right? It seems like a waste of a trip. You came all this way. You went through a lot of work. Put Mary through all of that to come and give us something we already, we already have. That seems like a waste of a trip. But obviously, Jesus was talking about something beyond just having vital signs and a pulse. And these people had lives. They had families. They had jobs. They went up, got up and got groceries and fixed meals. They, they had a, a life. So how could Jesus say, I have come that you may have life and have it to the full? Because there was a, a life that, that supersedes just physical life and, and carrying a pulse, getting up and just existing and, and you know, going through your daily routine. There, there's a life, another arena, another realm of living. And it's so much more, more life that compared to it, that this, this natural life is death. That's why Jesus could say, he doesn't even qualify. I have come that you may have life. Uh, Jesus, we are alive. No, not really. The life you think you have, it's actually death compared to the life that I've, I've come to give you. And people instinctively know it. You know it. Everyone knows, man, there's something beyond. There's something missing. People know whether they realize it or not. They go through their lives searching, trying to uh, acquire something. Something's missing. Maybe if I become this successful, earn this much 
money, have this pleasurable experience, go through this, whatever it is, people are constantly pursuing because they just know they can feel it on the inside. Whether they're connected with what Jesus is talking about, they know, man, I'm alive, but something something is missing. They're, they're hungry. They're made for this life that goes beyond just this life, real life, life to the full, life that satisfies. They're looking to satisfy something, and Jesus uses this kind of language, I have come that you may have life and that you may have it to the full, to the full. That's interesting. You may have it to the full. When you eat meals, if you are smart, you eat a reasonable sized portion and then you say, that's enough, right? I've eaten with some of you. You're much healthier than me. And so sometimes people will say, I'm full, but they're not really full. They're just saying, no, no more food. And that, that's the way you should eat. I'm trying to get better at that. But more often than I should, I actually eat until I'm, I'm full. I'm good at eating. I enjoy eating. It's like, I, I don't know if it's a spiritual gift or not, but I, 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 I've got a surprising capacity for food usually junk food. My salad capacity, very, very small. My capacity for like pizza and ice cream and stuff, impressive. It's impressive. And if you've eaten with me, you can testify that I'm telling the truth. So when I say I'm full, I'm not saying, no, I've eaten a reasonable portion and I'm calling it quits. When I say I'm full, I mean, I am full. Right? I'm, have you ever eaten to the point where you're so full, you're just like, Leave me alone. I just need to concentrate on breathing. For like the next 30 minutes, I just need time to focus on digesting, digesting my food. Now, when I eat till I'm full, you know what I don't do when, I, when, I, when I'm full? What, what behavior I don't engage in? When I'm full, I'm not rummaging through the fridge. Like, what, what's in here? I just want something to munch on. I'm not in the pantry, in the cabinets, yelling to my wife. We have anything salty? Is there any popcorn? We have anything sweet? Is there cookies? I'm not doing it. I'm not rummaging. I'm not looking. Why? Because I am full. I've eaten till I am full. And that's the kind of language Jesus uses to describe the kind of life he wants you to have because he knows the way that people operate. They're searching. They're scrounging. They're rummaging through life like to a person in the cabinets trying to find something to hit the spot. But there's a life he can put on the inside of you where you've got life to the full. I'm not looking for anything else. I've got exactly what I want. I've got exactly what I need. Nothing else interests me because I have exactly what I was looking for. I've got life to the full. That's the kind of life God wants every person to have. And if you don't have it, if you've never experienced it in just a couple of minutes, I'm going to give you an opportunity to give your life to Jesus and to experience the kind of life that you were made for, what Jesus came to accomplish. I have come that you may have life and have it, have it to the full, abundant, abundant life. Desiree, a few minutes ago, quoted from Romans chapter six. It's one of my favorite passages to, to quote from or to read from when we do baptisms, because it gives such a good description of what's taking place in baptisms. If you have your Bible, go ahead and turn to Romans chapter six. We'll just read those first few verses. Romans chapter six, starting in verse one, it says, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? These things are mutually exclusive, right? He's saying something, okay, that obviously doesn't make sense. It's one or the other. How can we who have died to sin I'm dead to it. It doesn't make any sense that I would continue to live in something that I, I have died to. Verse three says, or do you not know that as many of us, as we're baptized into Christ Jesus, we're baptized into his death. If you've come into Jesus, if you've come into relationship with Jesus, there, there's, there's an entry point. There's an entry point. The way that you come into Jesus is what? Is death. 
There's got to be a death. You, you have to die to yourself. Die to having you as Lord of your life. Die to doing things the way that you want to. Die to doing things the way that you think best. Die to just following the crowd. It says, don't you realize if you're going to be baptized into Jesus, Lord, I want you to have my life. I want to be part of the body of Christ. I'm in you. That You are baptized into his death. Next verse. Therefore, verse 4, therefore, we who were buried with him through baptized through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead, I've just butchered this verse. Verse four, therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death. We were buried with him through baptism into death. Why? (laughs) If if God is so good and it's this wonderful new life and he wants to bless us and it's such a a, a sweet walk with Jesus, then why, why, why is he talking about death? Why is the first point death? Why would he bring us into death? Baptized into his death, that there's a reason that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. There's a way of walking in newness of life, not just having a one-time experience at the altar where you shed a tear and you felt something kind of kind of nice. A newness of life that you can walk in, you can live in. That that's now your mode. I'm walking. I'm existing. I'm enjoying newness, newness of life. That's why you're buried. You're baptized into His death because it's only through death can you experience a new life. Because it's one or the other. You can't have both the old life and the new life. And there has to be a dying to the old if you want to enjoy the new. Listen to the ne- this next verse. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, there's a union. If we've been united with him in death, certainly, certainly, absolutely, surely, certainly we will also be in the likeness of his resurrection. The New Living Translation says we will also be raised to life as he was. If we're united in his death, that allows us to be united to him in resurrection, in the newness of life. There's only newness of life after you've gotten rid of the oldness of life. That if I want resurrection, that abundant life that Jesus said he came to give me, I've got to be willing to die put to death the old life. And it's, it's dependent on that death. That's not just an option. Hey, how many of you guys think maybe we should start dying to ourselves? It's dependent on that. Listen to the statement again, verse five. If, if we have been united in the likeness of his death, if, if you have been united in death, if, certainly we will also be in the likeness of his resurrection. That if I want that newness of life, if I want resurrection life, if I want the, the life that Jesus came, that abundant life to the full, it's contingent on something. I can't just jump straight to it. It's dependent on first there being a death. If I'm united in death, I can't cling to my old life and cling to the newness of life found in Jesus. It's, it's a facade. It's, it's fraudulent. It's just empty religion at that point. There's got to be a genuine death to ourself so that we can really walk in the newness of life. This is the series we started a couple of weeks ago. We'll continue it next week. Very, very, very simple. It's counterintuitive, but the principle is simple to understand. You die to live, die to live, die to live. Simple to understand, but so many Christians struggle to actually embrace this and trust And they straddle a a fence spiritually, wanting the newness of life, but not really ever letting go of the oldness. And so it's frustrating. It's unfulfilling. It's disappointing. Because there's not really a release of the old to get to the new. Turn your Bibles to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. Starting in verse one, it says, since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all of his glory. This is a powerful verse, powerful passage of scripture. 
it says that we should set our sights, set your sights on the realities of heaven. Think about what's going on in heaven, not the things of earth. You know, heaven is going to be a wonderful place. Heaven is a wonderful place where we'll experience the goodness of God. We'll experience the glory of God, his, his power, all of his blessing. We'll, we'll be able to embrace. God is a good God. Amen. He wants people to experience his blessing. And when we get to heaven, we'll experience the fullness of it. But this passage is saying that there's a certain category of people that he wants us to go. Go ahead and set your mind. Go ahead and get a heavenly mindset. Go ahead and just think about the things in heaven. You can start to experience it, start to walk in the blessing and the goodness of God, not someday when this life is over. Already now, start thinking heavenly thoughts. Start embracing heavenly things that you can start to walk in it and live in it. Now, who are these people that he's talking to? It says, since you have been raised to newness of life. Since you've been raised to new life. How are someone raised to new life? You, you can only talk about being raised to new life there's first been a death that occurs and those people that die then they can be raised to new life and the people that are raised to new life man you start you go ahead and you just start thinking heaven thoughts you start walking a heaven life you just go ahead and embrace it now because you've already experienced that death and you're walking in life with with Jesus you know God God is good he's a good God that's why this is the good good news he wants to bless people he wants you blessed but the gateway to that blessing is being willing to really trust him and I can lay down my own way of doing things and just fully embrace and trust. God wants what's best for your marriage. God wants what's best for your relationships. God wants what's best for your children. God wants what's best for your finances. God wants to bless you, but all through the Bible, there's hundreds and hundreds of examples. This is the theme that I've got to stop doing things my own way. There's got to be a, a genuine death to my, myself in order to embrace the blessing of God. Isaiah chapter one, verse 19. If you are willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. God wants you to eat the good of the land. He wants you blessed. God wants you at the top. God wants to see you succeed. He wants what's best for you. But there is a gateway to getting if you are willing and obedient. Those are the qualifiers. That means I've got to lay down my way of doing things and I've got to choose to obey the word of God and surrender myself to him and really let him be Lord of my life and not say, okay, I know the Bible says this and I'm supposed to do that, but you know what? I feel like I could get away with, if I'm willing and obedient, I'm not gonna miss out on anything. I'll eat the good of the land. You'll eat the good of the land, but not if I continue to do things my own way, if I'm willing and, and obedient, amen? Keep reading Colossians chapter three, verse five. So put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. You used to do these things when your life was still part of this world, but now is the time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. Don't lie to each other. For you've stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds, put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. In this new life, it doesn't matter if you're a Jew or Gentile, circumcised, uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free. Christ is all that matters and he lives in us. Verse 12, since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. And, and he goes, goes on from there. Man, there's so much in this passage of scripture concerning dying to the old and embracing and embracing the new. Look at verse, verse 9 and 10 again. So let me point out a couple of things and, and then we'll pray. Don't lie to each other, verse nine says, for you've stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. You've stripped off your old, stripped off the old, verse 10, put on the new. This instruction about putting on the new, this newness of life, this new nature that God has given us. The instruction is first, before you put on the new, what do you need to do? 
You gotta, you gotta take off the old. You, you gotta get rid of the old before you put on the new. Very simple, but there's, there's a sequence that sometimes we miss. If I want to walk in the newness, I've got to die to the oldness. I've gotta die to those things. I've gotta put them to death. I've gotta strip them off of my life. And then I've gotta put on the new after first having put to death the old. Now, I don't wanna get too personal with you. I won't ask for a show of hands. But hopefully, a majority of the people here this morning put on clean undies, right? I'm just gonna let the Lord deal with people's hearts for a minute. <laughs> now, you know, it, it, as important as it is to put on clean undies or whatever word you use, I feel like undies is like a generally safe as important as it is, and hopefully we can all agree on that, that, there's a way you can do that where it's, you know what, you don't even bother. Don't even bother. If you put on clean undies, but you put them on over top of the old undies, we'll make it less personal. Let's say you're instructing your children, right? Hey, you know, you, you, know, you need to put on clean underpants every day. Go, go change your underwear. And they come back, and this goes on day after day. You notice by the end of the week, their midsection's starting to get thicker and thicker. They're just piling them on. Whoa, 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 whoa. I, I thought it went without saying. You take off the old before you put on the new. So a very simple, maybe a silly example when it comes to underwear. But there's a lot of people spiritually that don't get this how simple it is with our clothing. That's why he uses this analogy of what we clothe ourselves in. And before you put on something clean and new, yet of course you take off the old. There's a lot of Christians, when it comes to spiritually, they dress in layers. They try to put on the new without first taking off the old. They try to walk in kindness. They try to walk in newness of life, but it feels fake and it is fake. It's just their own effort. They're trying so hard. They really want it, but they'll never really get to enjoy it until they first are willing to die, die to the old. The only way we get to enjoy the new. The only way we can put on the new nature, walk in newness of life, is first you've got to die to the old. There's got to be a crucifixion, a death, a funeral of the old you. Paul said, I live dying every single day. I've got to die to myself. That's how he was able to walk in newness of life. And until we get that, our, our efforts are just frustrating. It, it's a drudgery. And it's like it's like what Jesus told the Pharisees. You're, you're, you're whitewashed tombs. You look good on the outside, but on the inside, you're filled with dead man's bones which is probably a better analogy than someone with multiple layers of underpants. Jesus was better at analogies than I am. That there's an exchange that has to happen. That if we want to celebrate newness of life, the only way into it, genuinely, is I've got to die to myself. I've got to die. I can't call the shots. I've got to surrender genuinely. Not just, not just putting on layers and try to convince people he, he's Lord of my life. I, I've got to strip off the old. Jesus, you really are Lord of my life. I'm surrendered to you. What you say goes. What you say goes. And if it doesn't, he's not really Lord of your life. You're still wearing dirty underwear under there. Or dead man's bones. We'll go with that one. Amen? And too much of the church is just dressing in layers. And without genuinely, look, strip me down to nothing, Lord. I, I am completely, completely yours. People's walk with the Lord isn't as fulfilling. It isn't as joy-filled as it should be. You know, one thing this past week, Evangelist Kofi said, he said, when you've got to coax people to be in God's house, you can know that the fire's gone out. Which is too often coaxing and pleading and begging and prodding and the, the, the fire's got why, why does the fire go out it's, it's not they're not really enjoying newness of life why aren't they enjoying newness of life because they're still they're still clinging to the old they didn't really die to the old so they can't really there's people that are on fire for the lord can't keep them out of church they just they love the presence of god those are people that the, the old is gone and the new has come now there's so much in here. If you compare a few of these verses, like verse 8 and verse 12, the things it tells to, to get rid of, verse 8 says, now's the time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. Things you should get rid of. Get rid of rage and anger, 
malicious behavior. Then we jump down to that verse, we read verse 12. It says, since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. So the things we get rid of and the things that we're supposed to put on, begin walking in, they're mutually exclusive. They're opposites of one another. You can't be... Uh, malicious and full of anger and rage and be walking in tender-hearted mercy and love and gentleness. Those things, you can't describe. He's, he's kind of like full of rage and very malicious and he's so tender-hearted. He's just a big sweetheart. No, that you, that, those are opposites. But we're supposed to be humble. You can't be humble and proud. He says, get rid of sexual immorality. He says, God's called us to be his holy people. Th those things can't be combined. They, they are opposites. So in order to move one direction, I, I've got to completely sever trying to move the other direction. You know, in the natural, there, there are directions that don't exist. So there's north and south and east and west. And so I can tell you to, hey, if you go out here and, and go north for a mile and then turn east and go two miles. There's, there's directions that you can move. That they're, they're real directions. And there's some directions that you can combine and say, go, go northwest, go southeast. Right, you, you're with me? There's some, some directions that you can merge together and it works. You can even say, uh, uh, it's kind of like north by northwest. So there's all these combinations, but then there's some, because they're so opposite, they don't exist. I can't tell you, okay, I want you to go out here and I want you to go north-south and then turn and start heading east-west. You can't, those, those directions don't, don't exist. They're too opposite of one another. I can't move north-south. You, you can't go out and, and go east-west. And if you try, what would that look like? If you saw someone, if you're gonna try, I'm gonna try to go north-north-south. You see somebody that's probably not going anywhere. They're just stuck, right? They're just confused. They're, they're, they're not, there's not really much motion. There's confusion. There's frustration. There's maybe even a tension. If I'm trying to move two opposite directions, that might be silly, but that describes some people's spiritual walk. They're, they're, they're not really moving anywhere. They just feel tension. They're, they're, there's a, a striving and a strain and a frustration and a disappointment. It's not enjoyable. I'm not making any progress. Why? Because you're, you're trying to go in two opposite directions. And the only way you can really go the direction God wants you to is to completely suffer all of your efforts going the opposite direction. And as long as you're torn in two opposite directions, you'll be stuck and you'll never make progress. And all you'll ever feel is frustration and disappointment. And you'll never embrace all the good things that God has for you. God has good things for you. He wants to bless you more than you even want to be blessed. He's a good God. Again, this is, this is good news. He wants you to be the head and not the tail, above and not beneath. Read Deuteronomy 28. There's not a category of your life that he's not pleading with you. Let me bless you in that area. Let me bless you in the city. Let me bless you out of the city. Let me bless you when you're rising up. Let me bless you when you're lying down. Let me bless the work of your hand. Let me bless your family. Let me bless your children, your children's children. There's not a category in your life that God doesn't have it in his heart to see you blessed in that area. But all of it is contingent on what? If you'll be obedient, if you'll be obedient, obedience requires a death to your own way of doing things. That's the gateway to blessing. It's in the New Testament as well. These aren't just Old Testament principles. Third John chapter one, I wish above all things that you would prosper and be in health. You would prosper. That's what God wants. He wants you to prosper and be in health. Even as your soul prospers. Even as your soul, how does someone's soul prosper? Well, newness of life. They need newness of life. That's how your soul prospers. How does someone experience newness of life? There can't be newness until you get rid of the oldness. Well, that's this week's message. Thanks for joining us. To stay connected with us throughout the week, make sure you follow us on Instagram and Facebook. You can also watch previous week's services on our YouTube page.